God good today? Is God good today? Would you give him a hand up? Don't give me a hand. Give, give him a hand. Would you give God some praise? I mean, he woke you up this morning. 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 Oh. Uh, somebody that hadn't figured out that the only reason they can clap their hands in church today is because God released mercy on their lives. I spent the entire, I believe, uh, last power-up session talking about God's mercy in our lives, the release of his mercy. God's mercy, God's mercy. He doesn't have to do it. He doesn't have to do it. Sister Monstein, he doesn't have to do it. But he continues to do it every day. Mercy, mercy. Would somebody just say thank God for mercy? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo. Glory be to God. Not going to be very long. We've got a, a wonderful baptismal service uh, scheduled over the next several weeks. We're going to be baptizing, 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 getting into the rhythm of uh, introducing, confirming salvation's plan, the work that has been done on the inside, showing proof on the outside. Uh, before I go any further, for anyone that has been baptized a long time ago and did not really know why they were baptized, don't put your hands up everywhere I go. There's a handful of folks that don't really understand what baptism means. Uh, when you received Jesus as your personal Savior, that was a, that was a very private decision. Uh, the, the offer was made by the preacher or pastor or friend. Some folks came to salvation just by being by themselves in a park bench, uh, being at home, sitting, watching TV, and God just came to them and just said, it's time, it's your time. And in that moment, they said, God, I surrender. I invite you into my life. Please take control. Forgive me of my sin. I've heard that people laughed because they felt the presence of God. I've heard of others that cried profusely, just cried and cried and cried, as I did, as they received salvation into their lives. But that's a private decision. And not, no one else knows in that moment that the decision was made. There are several reasons for water baptism. The main reason for us is the fact that your water baptism represents something out inwardly that you are manifesting outwardly. There's a change that happened on the inside when you got Jesus when you receive them as your personal savior. The first thing is that you put death to your old way of thinking, your old way of behaving. Your, your spirit moved immediately from a sanction of death to a sanction of life when you receive salvation. Instantly, instantly your spirit moved from death to life. 
you, 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 you are set for heaven, death to life. That's what happened to your spirit. From that moment on, you are going through a process of sanctification, meaning that from that, from that moment you receive Jesus as your Savior, you are continuously in a race, attempting every day with God's help to beat, Paul calls it this, Paul the Apostle says, to beat your flesh into obedience to your spirit. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, our flesh is continuously under the curse of sin. And so after salvation and the spirit is changed immediately from death to life, we walk on this process of sanctifying ourselves, gradually bringing our mind, our emotions, and our behavior into a more regular confirmation of the work that was done on the inside. Do we get that? The next invitation is to show the world that you are not ashamed of what happened inside. So those that are going to be baptized this morning are just making a public, very public demonstration, a public proclamation that, guys, what happened on the inside of me was real. You may see me mess up. I may blunder sometimes. I may slip occasionally. But what I can say is that my spirit has been completely sold to God. And that every time I mess up, nothing stops me from coming back to God and saying, Father, forgive me. And he does it. Oh, my Lord, somebody needs to get excited about the fact that it doesn't matter if you mess up 150,000 times after salvation. If you ask God to forgive you, he doesn't argue. He doesn't try to have court. He doesn't want to bring a lawyer in to represent you. He himself says, because you were bold enough to ask for my forgiveness, here it is, my blood washes it clean. My God. So when you see those that are going to be baptized this morning, they're not saying that they have moved from bad to completely pure. They're not saying that they've moved from a place of unrighteousness to a place where they will never make a mistake. What they are saying is just publicly. When I go down into the water, it signifies the death that happened when I moved from killing my old self. Going down into the water represents the death of what was old. We completely submerge that person, bring them back up. And as you come back up, the significance of that is that you are now coming up a new person in the same way your salvation process went. 
You came to God dirty, dead in your trespasses and sin. You asked forgiveness, and you were moved from death to life. We baptize you. Your old man is dying, is dead, and as you come back up, it signifies the new you. It is telling the world, I may look the same, but I ain't the same. I may look the same, but I ain't the same. I may look the same, but I'm not the same. Why? Because Jesus has taken control of the most important part of me. And that part of me is the part that lives on eternally. The part that, that will either live in hell or in heaven with the Father based on my decision. If you're here today and uh, the Holy Spirit speaks to you while we're going into baptism, I'd like you to make contact with any one of the elders, uh, Elder uh, Jordan, our intake director, Sister Angela here, uh, Deacon Allen, Mama Ross right here, uh, any one of the saints, the regulars, the folks who belong to our church, just put your hands up. You belong to us. Put your hands up if you're a member. Good. You can get that opportunity by just connecting with them and saying, I am interested. I want to be baptized. I was baptized when I was five and did not know what I was doing, but now I understand I want to do it with knowledge. And we will set that up and you will be baptized also with water. Uh, you do not have to be baptized with water to be saved. You have heard that preached by many preachers. And the reason for that false teaching is because there is one verse in the Bible that says, repent and be baptized in the same sentence. But that was not a doctrinal proposal. It was not, you only get saved when you are baptized in water and you receive Jesus. Because baptism in water has nothing to do with your salvation. That's by grace and grace alone. Baptism by water just tells everybody else that you used to hang out with that your decision is serious. That your decision is serious. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Okay, I'm not going to take much longer. Uh, it's 1121. I'm going to spend about 20 minutes and really preach on the subject that I am going to develop over the next three weeks. I'm going to start it today. <clears throat> we have been uh, there are several visitors. Any visitors? I know I met Jan and uh, Kel. Kevin. Jan and Kevin met you all before. You are connected to Ethan, my main man. He's going to be baptized today. We've had some awesome time. Yeah. Uh, his running buddy, uh, Tyrone and... Uh, What's Tyrone's brother's name? Desmond. They were also on slate to be baptized this morning. Uh, transportation is keeping them away, I believe, right now. And they are sitting in Marion all frustrated and, and upset. But you're going to see them baptized uh, probably next Sunday. So, and these are all young people. Our youth department has grown, uh, averaging maybe 26 or so at its height now. 
uh, from a very meager number. And by the time it's all over, it's going to be hundreds in our youth department. Uh, our youth ministry is being headed by none other than my warrior in the faith. Him and I connect every week, uh, Austin Boone. Uh, Austin, I think he texted me last night and said, uh, my daughter has suddenly come down with a sore throat and there's a little something going around the whole house. Uh, I want to be there with all my young folks that are being baptized, but please pray for us. So Austin, we got you covered, but you're okay. You're okay. We were releasing healing on the whole, the entire home. Glory be to God. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Worship team, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Give the worship team a hand. I'm going to give my, my, my scripture reading, if we can bring up uh, the scripture reading that will uh, formulate my text. And this text will carry through the next three weeks or so. By the way, I'm excited to be back in the pulpit. I was in, on, in pulpit, what, the last two weeks or so? It's getting kind of itchy. I miss being here preaching. But uh, uh, if you will, we're going to zero in on Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 3, and part of verse 4. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground. Break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. Part of verse 4. Circumcise yourself to the Lord. That's the only part that I'm going to include. Circumcise yourself to the Lord. I don't know about anyone that does not know what circumcision means, but I will tell you, the younger you, you get it, the least painful it is, but it is painful at all times. That there are things that God wants to take away from you that will seem to be of no importance to everyone else. Do you know that people can live without being circumcised? They've done it for, for, for millennia. So why would God say, circumcise yourself? It's one of the things he put in place when he brought Israel, his people, out of Egypt. He said, I want you to circumcise every male coming out of Egypt. It will be a sign on that individual that they belong to me, Yahweh. As a young man, and this I'm going, I'm going way forward and then going back to the beginning because I need, think somebody needs to hear this. As a young man, I was always intrigued by the fact that God wanted them to circumcise themselves. And when I looked at the, 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 the thing, that, that surgical procedure called circumcision, a couple of things came to my mind. Well, why would God want to take something away from me that, that, that doesn't seem to be hurting me? 
I've never heard of foreskin hurting anybody. Second, why would God want me to take something away, take something from me that doesn't seem to hurt anybody else? Never heard of foreskin, my foreskin, hurting anyone else. So why would God want to circumcise? Third, circumcision does not physically change anything. You don't look differently when you get circumcised. As a matter of fact, the only person that knows whether you are or not is you, the doctor. That's it. If your mama didn't pay attention, yourself and the doctor will be the only one for the rest of your life that knows you were circumcised. Mom and dad had to say yes and sign some paperwork. So to the practical, normal human mind, there is no need for this. And thousands of years later, we have found out that circumcision has some real hygienic and health value to it. So we found out. Long before science figured it out, God had it mandated in the Word. But it was not something that was needed for life or death. You could live without it. And God says, I want you to circumcise yourself unto the Lord. I want you to circumcise. In other words, there are things about you that don't seem to be a problem to you or to anyone else and doesn't really seem to affect your life when you look at the whole scope of things. But it is what I want. Do you know our biggest problem? If you're looking at me online, our our biggest challenge as human beings is just simply being obedient to God. Amen. It's what got us in trouble in the Garden of Eden. Being obedient. There's something about our sinful nature that says, I don't want you to tell me what to do. Amazingly, it shows up in children. One of the first negative things that shows up in a baby when they begin to be a toddler is a practice of saying what to everybody? Say it, say it. First thing, who taught the baby, Jen, to say no? Does a parent go to them in the crib and start saying no? No. But somehow, Jordan, somehow, that sinful seed in them that Paul says we have to keep beating down once our spirit has been renewed and changed over causes that little child to want to say no because in itself, even though it can't walk, it still wants its own way. It cannot fix a bottle of cereal for itself, but it wants its own way. 
It can't feed itself. It can't dress or clean itself, but it wants its own way. Can I tell you that's how we are as human beings when it comes to God? That the reason we are fighting to make our spirits take control of our flesh and our mind, or we call it our soul. Your soul is made up of your mind, your emotions, and your will. It's the part of us that God can't take. We have to submit. And so the battle is on continuously to submit and be obedient. And for us, the thing that determines whether we will obey or not is, tell me why. We always want to know why. Tell me why you want me to do it. Why should I? Why shouldn't I sleep around? Why shouldn't I lie if it protects me? Why? Why? We want to know why before we think about obeying. And God is endeavoring to break that part of us because that's the part that will walk you straight to hell. The part that continuously says, no, no, not till you tell me why. And in just the act of circumcision, God was saying, it don't matter whether or not you think it don't hurt people or it's not hurting you. It don't matter. It doesn't matter whether you, you, no one sees or someone sees. Here's what matters. It's what I want. Our entire basis for Christian faith is to put our, our soul, our mind, our emotions, and our will under the subjection of God so that every day we wake up, we determine that whatever God says is good with me. Whatever God says, it's good with me. And when you make that decision, I promise you, I promise you, at every turn, the adversary is going to show you a reason why you should buck the system of God. At every turn. At every turn. Okay. Based on the scripture reading that we just completed, in our text, I decided to give this series, because it's going to turn off to be a series, the title, There's Blessing in Your Breaking. Look at someone and tell them, there are blessings in your breaking. There's a blessing in your breaking. There's a blessing in your breaking. Jeremiah the prophet in this text is given a word from God 
that he should relate to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. And this was on the heels. Abby, would you give me the rag? Thank you, please. I forgot it. Thank you. This was as they were, God saw, God knew, God had already revealed that they would be put in captivity on the Nebuchadnezzar. It was already determined. But God sends his servant, Jeremiah, to deliver word to his people. And that word is, for thus said the Lord, men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. Break up your fallow ground. This whole text is about fruitfulness. It's about fruitfulness. Fallow ground is ground that has never or has not been plowed in a long time. It's never been plowed or has not been plowed in a long time. The reason fallow ground is not where you and I need to be in our heart because this was about the hearts of the people. It's using uh, this as a, uh, a metaphor of the heart of the people. That their hearts, their hearts were like fallow ground. There are a couple of things about fallow ground that you need to know. When a ground is fallow, there are things that come up without cultivation. Weeds and shrubs come up without cultivation. You don't have to plant them. You just have to leave the ground unattended and something bad's gonna come up. It is the reason that you cannot be a good person and get to heaven. Because it doesn't matter what you try to do as a good person, only the Spirit of God can take away fallowness from your life. Amen. Does not matter how good you try to be, the ground of your spirit, the thing that lives eternally, is still susceptible to every kind of wild mess growing in it. And you cannot stop it. Second, fallow ground does not absorb water or nutrients. It don't matter how good the fertilizer is. Doesn't matter how much rain falls because the topsoil has become so hard and crusted that when the rain falls or the nutrient is given, it just washes away. It never penetrates. And this was the condition of the hearts of God's people back then. Can I be bold enough to say this is the same condition that is affecting the church today? That, that, that a lot of people are going to church, they're watching church on TV, 
They're even singing on the worship team, not ours, hallelujah. They're ushering. They're on the church board. They're on the trustee board. They are one of the ushers of the church. But the ground of their heart is fallow. You know when we figure out that the, that the ground is fallow, that there's no God penetration of spiritual nutrient entering their lives when pressure comes? Oh, they're all nice and fine in church. But you get them on the other side of the road outside of church and mess with something of theirs, and all of a sudden, their, their vocal rendition is worse than a sailor. I know that it is prevalent in the church today. People are coming to church, paying their tithes, singing on the choir and the worship group, and are visiting palm readers. And are calling on the psychic line to figure out what they should do next. Or visiting particular people in Florence to do a work for them and make them more successful. Fallow, fallow ground. Fickle. And then these are the same people that say terrible things about God and the church of God because their prayer wasn't answered. You know, my mama was sick or my, my brother got sick or, or last year I got sick. And I'm tell you right now, ain't nobody come to pray for me. Nobody visited me. And they go through this list of things that nobody else did for them. And then you say, well, did, did, you, did you pray for yourself? Well, uh, because their lives are fallow. There is no spiritual depth for the life. And it don't matter, it does not matter how long you sing on the choir, how much you do as an usher, or you do it, uh, you become a part of Dorcas closet. It doesn't matter. If you do not bring yourself to the place where you say, Father, I am submitting my spirit today. And I am asking you to wash me. To wash me. I'm going to say one other thing and then I'm going to close because I'm just jumping. I haven't even given points today because I know I've got to end right here. One of the other things that happens with fallow ground is that there is no production of fruitfulness. 
There is no production of true fruitfulness. If nothing good can grow, then nothing good can be harvested. Here's what God said has to happen. There has to be a farrowing away or a, a, a plowing up of the land. He said, Jerusalem and Judah, Florence, Darlington, Hartsville, South Carolina, break up this hard crustedness you got on your heart. Break up this, 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 this fakery where everything looks good. Have you ever been coming up to, if you're driving through Iowa, and you see those fields, 40, 50 acres in one place, and it's just growing wheat or corn. If you're coming from 10 miles away, and you see the field, you can't tell quite often if it's harvesting time because the wheat has grown, or if they have already harvested and the ground is just sitting there. Because from, a, from miles away, the field looks the same. Can I say that quite a few believers, churchgoers, are living their Christian lives unfarrowed by God? And they're running on the eyesight of somebody that's looking at them from far away. God, you're such, a, you're such a good believer. Thank you for the encouragement you've given me. Of course, nobody says that encouragement was just given while they were in church. Nobody's saying anything about the fact that the only reason they encourage you is because you hadn't gotten onto their skin. That fruitfulness, good fruit, good fruit, cannot come out of ground that has not been plowed by God. The question is, as we close, how do I plow up? How does my ground get plowed? It, there has to be repentance. A commitment to repent and reform. There's four other points, but we're going to stop right here today. Whenever you make the decision that this is it, I am tired of fakery. I'm tired of being powerless. There's been a press in my spirit in the last two months. I said, Lord, I'm looking around the landscape, and everybody is a pretty good preacher. Every church is a pretty good church. I'm tired of just being a church guy, of just developing good sermons. I want more. And I said that to God for about two months. Then he answered me one morning, and he said, well, I mean, son, uh, can you find time to give me 10%? And I said this before. 
you've been focused on giving me 10% of your money, uh, I promise you I'll, I'll begin to do some things that will blow your mind if you can give me 10% of your day. That's 2.45 hours. 10% of my day belongs to God. I mean continuously, not, not here and there, that I, it needs to be pre-decided. That's the thing. God wants communication with you and I spontaneously through the day. But that connection does nothing about the lack of discipline that our body, our mind, our emotion, and our soul thrives on. Our humanity thrives on lack of discipline. And God says to me, I don't just want to have spontaneous connections with you. I want you to be bold enough to say, I'm getting up 30 minutes early, and I'm going to spend 30 minutes with God. And I'm going to bed 30 minutes earlier so that I can spend 30 minutes with God. Or whatever the challenge is for you. If you're just saved and you're getting into the rhythm of building inner spiritual fortitude, he's probably going to say, could you give me 10 minutes consistently? No interruptions. No excuses. If you can't say yes to that, you will continue to carry fallow ground in your life. I'm stopping here and I'm going to say one other thing. At an earlier time when I questioned God about this, he said to me, I hear you, son. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, but would you tell me, please? Would you tell me, please? So tell me what, sir. He said, have you dated anyone that you did not communicate with them consistently? If you and I are in a relationship and there's no consistency with how we connect, then somebody's being fooled. If you and I, as the young folks said, are girlfriend and boyfriend, if you and I are dating and we are engaged or about to be engaged, it will not cut it if there is not consistency with communication. You don't get to date me and call me on the weekends only. You don't get to call me your boo thing. I'm using all kind of words to describe foolishness. You don't get to say I belong to you, and I get a phone call whenever you feel like. Here's the question. If you are a sensible human being that carries some semblance of standards in your life, and you will not allow anyone 
to come in and out of your life emotionally, calling themselves your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever they're calling themselves, and not communicate and commune with you consistently and regularly, why, why would you be bucking God when he says to you, I want 15 minutes of uncontested time every day? Why would you say no to God, God, the one who made you, when he says, I've done enough for you. If I did not do another thing for you, I've done enough. If I didn't do another thing for you, I've done enough. If I, I kept you from cancer, I kept you from broken limbs, I kept you out of an accident, I kept you from being fired last year when, every, when your boss was talking about firing you and you didn't know, I kept you in good health, I kept you with a roof over your head when uh, so many people have been thrown out of their homes. I kept you riding your bike or driving your car and paying insurance and all I'm asking for is for an intentional commitment show somebody that we dating for serious show somebody that you and I are in a true real relationship because the way you're doing right now, ain't nobody know me and you connected. And God said to them here, Israel, Judah, Jerusalem, Florence, the assembly, Darlington, Hartsville, it's time. I'm tired of trying to pour my blessings out on a life that has not been plowed out. Amen. You, won't let, you won't let the Holy Spirit come and plow it out, but you want me releasing good stuff on you. Do you understand if God releases his blessing on a life that is not being plowed up by his Holy Spirit, turned over, that every blessing that he releases will wash away and be stolen from you? Amen. And then the funny thing is, because we don't know that's what's happening, we blame God. <laughs> We blame God. We blame God. May God help us. May God help us. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your mercy and your grace in our lives. Thank you so much for your help that comes every day. Thank you so much for not holding our wrong against us. Thank you so much for your forgiveness that comes all of the time. David said, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Thank you, Jesus. I said, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Jesus. Great is your faithfulness. Would, so, would you close your eyes and just tell God, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to me. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to me. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy on me. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy on me. Thank you, Lord, for your grace in my life. 
your unmerited favor you're releasing on me. I thank you, 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 I thank you. Father, we repent today as a congregation. We repent and we ask you to wash us and cleanse us, purify us, wipe the slate clean. Wipe the slate clean. Wipe the slate clean and give us new life. New life, oh Father. New life. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Those who are being baptized, would you retire to the areas? Very quickly, we're going to uh, change and be in and out, go through the process of baptism. Those being baptized uh, in the next 10, uh, 15 minutes at the most. It's 10, 11.55. They're going to change over. I'll uh, see you on the other side of the baptistry. Uh, Stangela, would you come up and just uh, give me five minutes to change, get into the pool, and uh, lead in just a song of worship. Just a song of worship. Hallelujah. I feel something. I feel I feel something. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Are we excited? We're excited about the baptism. We're excited about the commitment they've made to God. There's nothing worth more that would ever come close. Nothing can compare your living home. Your
takes a lot of strength to make a decision these days. It takes a lot of inner strength to make this kind of decision. Uh, today we only have adults, I mean, uh, 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 young adults being baptized, which is a phenomenal story for our church. Uh, my prayer is that we will begin to baptize a lot more young adults because we are now investing in the next generation. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, as these wonderful young adults are coming into this experience, Father, I would not be surprised if you fill them with the Holy Spirit in the same I wouldn't be surprised. Let this be an elevation of their faith like they have never experienced before. Each of them I sanctify. Each of them I consecrate to you. And I say in the name of Jesus, their way, their path, is being made clear right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask Ethan to come down. of this young man. I'm very proud. I'm very proud of you. Because I know, I know the fight. I know it's been hard. But every time, especially recently, when you got down, you did what I tell you to do. It's not as though I'm an authoritarian but my advice was find the birds of your feather. Find the birds of your feather, your real feather. And you have pressed into youth group, you've connected with your leader. Every time the pressure came, I see you reaching out to Austin. And I'm very proud of you. We're going to baptize you this morning. You've already accepted Jesus as your Savior. We're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you are going to continue running this race like a hero. Like a hero. When he goes down and comes up, I'd like everyone to just give God a, a shout and a hooray for this young man and the others that are coming. I want you to Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Spirit. 
Many of you were here uh, two, two or three Sundays ago, I believe when Dr. June was pre uh, ministering, and uh, God did something in Lydia's life, and she just left her seat on her own, came to the front, and I believe uh, Elder Camille prayed for her, and Miss Angela, Elder Angela, but I am so excited about the fight in these young people. I don't have an expectation of them being perfect, but my goodness, I want to see some fight. And I am seeing that. I am so proud, even as your, your uncle, to baptize you today. You will not be looked on when you mess up as somebody who's failing. What you will be looked at as a hero in God as you fight back and you stand up and you come back stronger than you were before you messed up. We are proud of you. We are proud of you. Proud of you. Bernice Lydia Ross. I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. you guys were up here to feel the emotion because they know they know the importance of this fight 
I'm so excited that Chelsea, Michelle Burroughs stood up about the crowd. And you could have said, no, not this time. You said to your mama, I don't care about anybody else. It's time for me. And we are proud of you, baby. We're proud of you. As your spiritual dad, I am so overwhelmed. It's not an expectation for you to be perfect, because we know what the flesh will mess with you, but we have an expectation that you will fight for your faith. And I trust you to do that because your mama is a fighter. And you have got a spiritual dad that's looking out for you and praying over you day and night. Chelsea, you take your left hand, hold your nose, hold my wrist with your right hand, and when I put you down, you just bend your knees. I'll take you down and bring you back. Chelsea, Michelle Burroughs, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. already shown me and I've been asking for wisdom I've been asking for his supernatural direction in my life because this is just the beginning you're going to be involved in services right here where there are going to be 20 and 30 people at a time being baptized crying Thank you, God, for this breakthrough in their lives. This is just the beginning. Dear Father, we thank you. We thank you for 
the strength of character that allowed these young adults to step up and say, I'm going to lead, I'm going to lead the charge for Jesus in my place, in my environment. Father, we thank you for the wonderful word that even I was blessed as you used me. Father, I release an impartation of your glory on your people as we walk away from this sanctuary. Holy Spirit, walk with us. Lead us and guide us into righteousness. Bring us back on Power Up tomorrow on the live stream, on our Wednesday Bible study with one of the elders, and then next Sunday as we continue this series. We thank you again for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this service at the assembly. We hope that it blessed you and strengthened your walk with God. If you would like to give to what God is doing through the assembly, you can do so in three ways. First, you can give online at theassemblyflorence.org. If you're on a desktop, click the Give Now button in the top right-hand corner. If you're on a smartphone or a tablet, click on the plus button in the top right-hand corner and then the Give Now button. Both of those Give Now buttons will take you to our online giving platform where you can then set up a one-time gift or a recurring gift and even designate the fund that you would like your giving to go to. You can also give by sending a text message to the phone number 833-729-2238 with a message that says SC Assembly Give. It's all one word together. You'll then receive a text message with instructions on how to move forward. You can also mail check or money order written out to the assembly to the assembly 2925 West Palmetto Street, Florence, South Carolina 29501. Thank you and have a great week. Make sure you check us out for Power Up with Pastor Andrew on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 6 to 6.30 a.m. And times of refreshing at the assembly on Wednesday at 7 p.m. God bless and we'll see you next time here at the assembly.